have to say, this is probably the most unusual Christmas message I have ever given. <laughs> because this is the most unusual year I have ever lived in. So we've got a message appropriate for the time. And if you would this morning, open your Bibles to John 16.33. We actually have three stops this morning. Uh, one verse or uh, uh, two, one verse and one two verse visit to a couple of places in Scripture. And this Friday, we are going to recognize the most monumental event in the course of human history. And that is when God came in the likeness of sinful flesh in the form of a human child that he may live, teach, heal, be arrested, crucified, and resurrect all for our sins. Amen? Amen? Now, we recognize, as I said, we are at the end of the weirdest year in our country's history. And I don't want to rehearse any of the things that made it so weird. You already know about that. But here's what I do want to say. What happened 2,000 years ago is not diminished by what's going on right now one bit. Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still God. Jesus is still coming again. Now what that means is what we're going to celebrate Friday is more relevant and significant now than ever before because the child born, the son given, is coming back this time not as a lamb to take away the sins of the world but as a lion of Judah to rule over this planet. Now we're not simply waiting for the future benefits of the coming Christ. There are benefits in the here and now, even in this year, as a result of knowing him. There was a benefit that was foretold when his birth was announced that we still have today. And I have to say, it is a commodity that is precious and much needed in our world today in these very strange and delusional times. There's some weird stuff going on right now. I don't know if you saw the video clip of uh, one nurse giving the vaccine to another nurse, but there was a problem. There was nothing in the syringe. And the plunger was already pushed all the way down. I don't know if that's the right technical term, but I'm calling it a plunger. And in other words, they stuck the needle in the other nurse's arm and went to push on it, but it was already at the bottom. So they were faking it for the media. What did the media say? It was a mishap. Yeah, I'll say it was a mishap. It was a mishap when he tried to fake giving somebody the vaccine. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on right now. Now, but here's what we need to focus on in the midst of all this. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14, we have to read these. It's Christmas Sunday. That's right. Right? Yes. This is the story. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly what? Do we live in a time where people are greatly afraid? Yes, we do. And then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. What does our PowerPoint tell us this month? Do not be afraid. Here's why. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people I like. No. To who? All people, here's the good news. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. 
you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, what? Peace. Peace, goodwill toward men. Now, what we need to recognize here today is there were a flurry of events that had long ago been foretold by the prophets. Months earlier from this scene, John the Baptist's birth was announced, followed by the angelic announcement to Mary that she was going to give birth to a supernaturally conceived male child. Then a census was ordered. Joseph and Mary then were by the government pushed to a place where they had to return to their hometown. But God was in control even then, even though Caesar thought he was in power. He was just using or being used by God to get them to the town where the Micah 5.2 prophesied that Christ would be born. So he could be born in the city of David or Bethlehem. Now, all of these things happened because they were surrounding the foretold birth of Christ. So here's what I want to point out. First of all, everything changed in a short span of time. And all of it was surrounding the coming of Jesus. Now, I submit to you today that we're seeing a flurry of prophetic activity as well. Everything we've seen change in a short span of time. And all of it is surrounding the coming of Jesus to take the church to where he is that we may be there also. Amen. Now, between the birth of the Christ child and the appearing of the Lord to meet us in the air, there is a promised peace and a goodwill towards men. And that will be our focus today. And for our purposes this morning, we're going to call it the Christmas peace because that's when it was promised at that first Christmas. The goodwill of God came to earth in the Christ child and manifests itself in and through the peace that comes from knowing the Son of God. And this is going to be our focus this Christmas Sunday morning in the strangest year of any of our lives. Now, two more reminders before we dig in. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Or in other words, we might shorten that to the Bible says that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or dead. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Yeah. Then we who are alive and remain, I hope in 2020 on Christmas Sunday, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, what's the next word? Comfort, Comfort one another with these words. Titus says this in 2.11 to 14, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. When? In the present age. Does that include 2020? looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Now listen, as hard and painful and tragic as these days have been for so many, as difficult as it has been for all of us, to watch our country implode, yeah. 
as unbelievable as it is to see lawlessness reach the level and degree that it has in our country, we have to remember this day Jesus is coming soon and comfort one another with those words. Now, as we await the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, to meet us and the dead in Christ in the air, we need to remember that Jesus came to bring peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Now, peace is not the absence of problems and pain. Hello? Peace is not the absence of problems and pain. The word peace in Luke 2.14 that the angel announced was now possible actually means harmony, security, safety, prosperity, and even felicity or happiness. Now it also means the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation. We can have that right now, right? Yeah. Now, I'm thinking peace sounds like a pretty good thing. <laughs> so this morning, let's remember and recognize the beautiful story of Christmas peace that we can now all enjoy and remind ourselves you can have it every day of the year, not just at Christmas. Amen? Amen. So would you stand and read with me, please, our opening verse of the three we'll visit this morning from John 16, verse 33. And again, did I tell you this is going to be an unusual Christmas message? Yes. Okay. Well, let's... Uh, Take a look at it, and you'll find out why in about two seconds. Here we go. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And Lord, we are thankful for this text and those we will visit this morning. Thank you that the angelic announcer proclaimed that there was peace on earth and goodwill toward men available through the Christ child who was born uh, that eve that in that beloved city, the city of David. So Lord, we pray in the midst of all we're going through that you would teach us about this peace that is ours in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I think it's a good time to remember we are positionally in Christ. The Bible says we are in Christ, 2 uh, Corinthians 5.17. We are in Christ and therefore we are new creations. And thus in him we have the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation, or in a word, peace. Now we have to remember this statement was made at the Last Supper. And Jesus starts with peace before he goes on to the tribulation part. And therefore we need to always have peace in our minds as well, even prior to going into a season like we're in right now. And because we are in him, through him, we have harmony, security, safety, prosperity, and felicity or happiness. Now, all of which describe the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation. I know I'm going to heaven. Amen. Do you know you're going to heaven? Yes. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a pastor. Uh, there might be some who ain't going to make it. Right? I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. I'm going to heaven because of what he did for me, not what I have done for him or for anyone else. Now, he then says, listen, in me you have peace. And then he says, in the world, however, or in contrast, you're going to have anguish, burdens, persecutions, and trouble. I told you this is going to be a weird Christmas message. 
Those are the meanings of tribulation. But this, and listen, this doesn't mean the church is going to go through the great tribulation. We have nothing to do with that. We have no appointment with God's wrath. I don't know if any of you uh, watched uh, me and Jan Markell and Amir Sarfati yesterday, but that was the focus, the pre-tribulation rapture, why we believe in it. And the question comes up every single time because of John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. Yes, we're going to have anguish. Anybody ever had that? Yes, we're going to be persecuted, right? It happens to us all. And people always make the argument, well, what about all the martyrs that have died through the ages? Well, listen, God didn't kill them. And the Lord is going to be in charge of his wrath as it's poured out during the tribulation period. And we don't have an appointment with the wrath of God, even though at times we'll incur the wrath of man and the devil's behind all of that. Amen? Now, what we need to remember and why John 16, 33 is important to us this Christmas Sunday morning of 2020 is Jesus told them this at their darkest hour or his darkest hour and the very night that Jesus was betrayed. Are we in a dark hour right now? Yes, yes we are. In Psalm 37, 18 to 19, David says this, The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be for how long? Forever. Forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in days of famine they shall be satisfied. Now, I was told via Twitter the other day that myself, my dear friend Jack Hibbs, and a host of other Calvary Chapel pastors are going to hell. You know why? Because we're having church. We're going to hell for having church indoor church. That's in the book of Second Opinions if you want to look it up in your Bible. <laughs> now, basically they said, listen, we're to obey the government. We're violating King Newsom's order, putting everyone in harm's way, so thus we don't have the Holy Spirit. We're going to hell. Well, listen, two things. Number one, nobody has to come to church if they don't want to. And B, did you catch that? Number one, B. Come on, that was a little humor there. Just... David said the Lord knows the days of the upright. He has numbered our days. He knows how long we're to be on this giant dirt clod floating in space that he made. God determines the number of our days. Unless, of course, there's a pandemic and God loses control and doesn't know where everybody is. Yeah. Now, listen. The Christmas peace is one we can have during a pandemic. And David reminds us that God is going, listen close, some of you, God is going to take care of those he has made righteous through his son, even during a famine or hard times. Now, does that mean no Christian will ever get COVID? No, no it doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean we are under his care. And I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I'll bring it to your attention again this morning. I think and have thought a lot lately about Abraham when he negotiated for his son, uh, or rather his nephew Lot, and the city of Sodom. And he said to the Lord in Genesis 18, 23 to 25, as Abraham came near him and said, Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And you know how the negotiation process goes. Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. They got down to 10 and God said, you know what? I won't destroy the place if there's even 50 righteous in the city. But the point is this. Abraham understood who God was. And he said, far be it from you 
to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked, far be it from you. And then he said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Now, listen this morning. Christians get COVID. There's some people who call this church their home who have had it or are in quarantine right now. It happens in every single church. It's true. Christians get COVID, right? Some Christians have died from COVID. We personally know some who have gone to be with the Lord. But listen, God knew the number of their days. But to say people are being put at risk for doing what God said not to forsake doing would be for the judge of all the earth to not do right. Now, could you imagine standing before God and he said, I told you to go to church and you did and you died because you did what I said. Does that make any sense? Now, listen, does that mean we'd be flippant and casual and act like there's no threat to any of us? Of course not. This thing is mutating and changing form. And there's a new strain that has caused just this morning. All international flights to and from Israel have been shut down. The whole city of London has been shut down. Christmas gatherings of families have been shut down. Why? Because there's a mutated strain that is now Heading for the young people. The last or original strain was attacking the older people. So listen, we're not so ridiculous to say that we shouldn't be careful. We need to wipe our hands with alcohol. If we're in a setting that requires a mask or we're concerned or in a threat category of people, we need to cover our face and protect ourselves. Listen, we're not stupid, right? Well, listen, if a Christian got COVID... I'm going to blame Costco, not the church. <laughs> or sitting on an airplane for hours and hours and hours, two inches away from somebody else. And yet those in places of power and in the media are telling us, you know what, it's safe because of the filtration system. B-O-L-O-G-N-A, that spells baloney, in case you're wondering. I've got sick so many times on an airplane from international travel because somebody else was sick on the plane. It's just nonsense, right? right. So let's be smart and let's be careful and let's come here and praise the King of Kings and Lord of Lords as a collective body. And listen... If I'm going to hell for having church, you are too. So, man. Now, <laughs> you know I'm kidding, right? I don't need any emails this week. Now, then Jesus says, he, he tells us that in the midst of all we're experiencing in the realm of anguish, burdens, and trouble, we can still have the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation. Now, he says, but... Be of good cheer. In this life, you're going to have hard times. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The word translated as cheer can and probably should actually be translated in the context of the setting as courage. It can also mean comfort. So Jesus tells his disciples that life will have anguish, burdens, persecutions, and trouble. But be of good courage and comforted by the fact that he has overcome the world. Now, here's our first point of the three we'll highlight this morning as it relates to Christmas peace. And I want to draw in our word for 2020 to this first point because 2021 is going to require us to trust the Lord too. Right? right? So here it is. Listen this morning. Trust is essential to our courage, comfort, and peace. Trust is essential to our courage, comfort, 
and peace. Now, since peace is not the absence of anguish, burdens, persecutions, and trouble, as Jesus said, in this life we'll have these things, yet we can have peace in him. That means trusting in that is how we're going to arrive at a place or position of courage to face these trying times. Now, in 2 Timothy 2.22, Paul said to Timothy, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love. What's the next word? Peace. Peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. There's that harmony thing we'll talk about in our middle section. Now, the fact that righteousness, faith, love, and peace have to be pursued, and by the way, pursue means to press forward or press toward, tells us that they don't always come easy. And they're going to require some effort. Trust-born courage is going to require some actions on our part. And we'll talk about that in detail later. Now that means that Christmas peace is have to going, going to have to be pressed toward. Because it's contrary to the season that we're now in. What is the dominant emotion in the days in which we now live? Is it not fear? Is it not doubt and despair? There are people who are absolutely panic-stricken in these days in which we now live. And therefore, sometimes that makes its way into our heart, mind, and emotions, and therefore we need to pursue peace as a response and trust the Lord with all of our hearts so that courage and comfort will come. Now, here's the next stop on our journey as it relates to the harmony aspect of the Christmas peace. You can flip over to Mark chapter 9, verse 50, if you like. If not, it'll be up on uh, the screens for you. But Mark 9, 50 says this. Salt is good, especially on prime rib. <laughs> salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt where? In, In yourselves. And have peace, peace with one another. Now, a little background is going to help us understand the context of this statement and why a verse about salt is relevant to the Christmas peace, specifically the harmony aspect of the Christmas peace. Now, previously in 38 to 42 of Mark 9, Jesus answered saying, Teacher, or John answered him, Jesus saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is what? On our side. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, surely I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble... It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. In case you're wondering what that means, it's bad. <laughs> now, back to those who condemned me and Pastor Jack and others to hell on Twitter and those who affirmed their conclusion. The saddest part is, is that this is a revelation that some of the church has become just like the world. Yeah. In other words, everybody who sees something differently than them has to be wrong. And in the Christian arena, that means if you don't see things like I do, you must be going to hell. Now, I have to say, I'm, I don't know that you ever get used to this, but every year I get condemned to hell for having a Christmas tree. 
And boy, you should hear or read the mail when we have Christmas trees in the sanctuary, which we would have if we had a bigger room or if we were in our uh, main sanctuary. And when we get over there, we're going to have them. This is repeated a few months later at Easter. So I'm told I'm going to hell on Christmas and at Easter. And it's really a blessing. Do you know why? These are pagan holidays. Well, I got news for them. I'm not a pagan. And if there are two things that are worth celebrating in this world, it's that God became a man and that he died and rose from the dead for my sins. And I'm going to celebrate those things. You can call them pagan if you like, but I'm not going to. Now, Jesus said, listen, be the world's preserving and purifying influence. That's what salt means. And then he says, have salt in yourself. In other words, mind your own business. Keep yourself pure. Pay attention to what's happening in your life. That's why he would illustrate the same point by looking at your own sin like a log or a plank and other people's like a speck. That's how we are to observe the sin that's happening within and around us. And then he says, have peace with one another. Now, there is a internationally known uh, women's Bible study teacher who just about every women's study in the country has followed her books and teachings and, uh, you know, she has kind of lost her way in recent years. And she said uh, last week, I do not believe these are the days for mincing words. I'm 63 and a half years old and I've never seen anything in these United States of America. I have found more astonishingly, astonishingly seductive and dangerous to the saints of God than Trumpism. This Christian nationalism is not of God. Move away from it. And then she says, fellow leaders, we will be held responsible for remaining passive in this day of seduction to save our own skin while the saints we've been entrusted to are being seduced and manipulated and used and stirred up into a lather of zeal. Listen to this. She says, devoid of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, she's saying, if you believe that one candidate who is for life, who is against abortion, who is pro-Israel, is important for this country to have, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Wow. Stunning. Again, we have someone saying, if you support the president, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you haven't been born again. And if you haven't been born again, guess where you're going? So another condemnation to hell because of someone's political views is coming from someone well-known inside the church. Now, this statement makes one equal to God in the sense that they claim to know what's in a person's heart according to who they vote for. Now think about this. Whether the numbers are skewed or not regarding COVID, people are dying. Right? People are dying from COVID-19. There's no question, no argument, no minimizing of this great tragedy that has struck our world. So I say that for this reason. What is on everybody's mind in every country in the world today? Death. Death is on everybody's mind. 
So what should the church be doing? The church should be telling people how to have eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord, not that another Christian's going to hell because they support Trump. Jesus said, and this is the context of what we just read, Jesus said to his disciples regarding sectarianism, have salt in yourself and peace and harmony, therefore, with one another. Now, here is what makes our Christmas Sunday message so weird. It's our second point. You ready for this? Listen, the church would have a lot more peace if we all stayed on point. The church would have a lot more peace if we all stayed on point. The angel said, the child born in the city of David brought peace on earth and goodwill toward men. It seems like the goodwill portion is sadly lacking in these last days. Therefore, so is the harmony. Think about all that the Christmas peace entails. In Ephesians 2.14, we're told, For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, and thus making what? Peace, harmony, that he might reconcile them both to God, meaning Jew and Gentile alike need a Savior. Hello? In one body, how did he do it? Through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to those who are far off or those who are in the future. He preached the same peace and those who were near or those who were alive at the time. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to who? The to the Father. Now, Jesus broke down the wall that separated Jew and Gentile. He himself is our peace. Satan is trying to fracture that peace every way he can. Think about what we've been learning in Galatians, how the Judaizers were saying, listen, you Gentiles, because God's only saving Jews, you have to become a Jew in order to become a Christian. Paul says that wasn't true. That's a lie. It is heresy. And listen, we have a divine mandate in Ephesians 5.11 to expose the unfruitful works of darkness, right? And we need to do this for the sake of the lost. Because you can't get saved through heresy. Right? You can only be saved from gospel truth. And it's lost souls that is the motivation for us analyzing the teaching of any given teacher and going to the scripture and finding out if the things that they're saying are so. But we also need to remember what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. In 4, 1 to 3, he said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of your calling with which you were called. Here's how you do that. With all lowliness and gentleness and when necessary, condemn other Christians to hell. No. Lowliness and gentleness with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the what? The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. peace. Now, Paul refers to the unity of the Spirit, not the Spirit of unity. This is an important distinction because the unity, unity of the Spirit implies a unity of purpose, which is, according to Acts 1.8, to be witnesses to Jesus or for Jesus until the end of the earth. Now, Paul would also say in Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, and he himself, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the what? 
unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, tune in. You ready this morning? Yes. I want to say this clearly. Again, in this weird Christmas message. Paul said Jesus gave to the church apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He didn't say he gave to the church the church police. There are some people today who seem to think their ministry is to destroy everyone that doesn't agree with them or they don't agree with. And I love what Dr. McGee said. He said, you know, the only exercise some Christians get is jumping to conclusions and running other people down. <laughs> Listen, that's how the world operates. That's not how the church operates. Right. We don't bite and devour one another. That's not how we deal with each other. Our mission is to preach Christ and Him crucified. And there are too many today who are so busy sin-sniffing that they have forsaken gospel preaching to a world that has only death on their minds. And we alone have the message of hope and eternal life. Amen. Now, this might seem like an odd point to introduce into a Christmas message, but it really isn't. Because after all, did not Jesus himself say in John 13, 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love, love for who? One another. one another. Love amongst the brethren of the harmony and love for one another. Listen, Christmas should remind us there is one church. And the one church is comprised of born-again believers. Amen. That's what makes you part of the church. And therefore, we must endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace so a lost and dying world through the love we show to one another will know we are Jesus' disciples. Even when we disagree. Even when we disagree. Now, our next stop in our journey is in Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Familiar verses fitting for our time together this morning. Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, Be anxious for everything that makes you worry. No. Be anxious for nothing. nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And, here it is again, the what? Peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through whom? Christ, Christ Jesus. Terry and I were talking the other day about how the changes, changes this year have changed all of us. Now, let me see if anybody's thinking like we are at our house. You get the sniffles, what comes to mind? COVID. Do I have COVID? That's the first thing we think about. And then you think, how bad is it going to be? And then you think, who gave it to me? <laughs> and yet, since peace was part of the Christmas proclamation, we should not be surprised to uh, find it listed in an admonition to not live in a constant state of anxiety, but to combat it with thanks-filled prayer for the endless list of things that God has done for us. Amen. Did you catch that last sentence? Yes. The endless list of things that God has done for us. Now, we could have spent our whole morning on these two verses, this Christmas Sunday of the weirdest year of our lives, but we also needed to recognize trust is essential to courage. 
we also needed to realize the devil is constantly seeking to divide us and shift our focus off the one commission that we all share, which is preaching Christ to a fearful world that is thinking about death in our day. Now, the word anxious obviously comes from the word anxiety. This is true in English. It's true in the Greek text as well. Now, in Matthew 6, 25 to 27, Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, do not what? Worry. Worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. He illustrates what he just said. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by what? Worry. Worrying can add one cubit to his stature. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, 25, Paul says this, back to the harmony thing. There should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same what? Care, Care for one another. Now we paused here because the same Greek word translated as anxious in Philippians is translated as worry in Matthew and care in 1 Corinthians. And therefore, this gives us a broader picture of what is being said. Don't let the pressures and problems or the schisms within that shouldn't happen within the body drive you to anxiety. That's what Paul is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. Paul says, instead of living in anxiousness, pray and give thanks Amen. as you bring your request to God. And he then gives the result of doing this, a peace that guards the heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Jesus said, in this life, you, all of us, will have anguish, burdens, persecutions, and trouble. And we know that all of us have the right to bring our prayers and supplications to the Father through and because of Jesus. So here's what that means as it relates to the peace that was brought into the world that first Christmas. Listen this morning. Perfect peace is not just for those who master having it, but for anyone who needs it. Perfect peace is not just for those who master having it, but for anyone who needs it. Have you ever seen one of those people, you know, I, I don't know how they're so, uh, they're unshaken by anything. They're immovable. They're just steadfast and steady and nothing seems to phase them. Now we can have that same, not just perspective, but we can be observed as that because of what Christ has done for us. After all, we studied earlier this year in Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in what? What kind of peace? Perfect. Perfect. That word means complete, complete peace. Whose mind is stayed on you, here's why, because he trusts in you. Note again the connection between peace to mind and trust. Listen, anxiety is running at a peak in our day as our worry and despair and its companions doubt and discouragement. But here's the truth this Christmas Sunday morning of the weirdest year ever. You can have peace in the midst of any storm. And it's not available to an exclusive few. It's available to us all. It's not available to those people that we look at that seem to be unshakable and unmoved by everything. It's not just exclusive to them. All you have to do is pursue it. Amen. 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 Now, the question you should be saying is how do we pursue it? How do we pursue it? Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> Listen, it's really easy. 
thank God for everything he's done for you. Amen. Just thank God for everything he's done for you. Yes. Listen, life is hard. And I'm not exempt from all the things that you guys think and the emotions you go through. And just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I'm not human anymore. I still have things I struggle with. I still have things that bother me and trouble me. And listen, I'm here to give testimony this morning that I have done this and it's changed how I feel. It's changed how I think. It has taken control of my emotions when I would break down to the point where I would just say to the Lord, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why you allowed this. I don't know why you haven't fixed this, but I want to thank you for saving my wretched, hell-bound soul. And it starts to change me. And the same is true for you too. Listen, if you want to know what you ought to thank God for, He saved your soul while you were yet a sinner. He hasn't let the devil kill you, and He has protected your soul from the enemy's efforts to steal it. He's gone to prepare a place for you so that he can come again and receive you unto himself that where he is, you may be also. And listen this morning, some who are thinking and some who would tend in this direction, when COVID takes the life of a Christian, you need to remember, we need to remember to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I've told you before, I will add to the list this morning, there is not one martyr, there is not one Christian who has died of pneumonia, the flu, uh, the plague, or anything down through history who wishes they were back on earth. They're all glad to be where they are. We're here left to deal with the pain and the aftermath, the anguish that is part of life. Now, whether through death or the rapture, listen, heaven's our next stop. Now, you know me, I'm a fan of the group plan. Don't want anything to do with the individual plan. I want to go together with all y'all. But listen, just recognizing that heaven's our next stop should give us the Christmas peace. And one more thing before we go. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 57. Paul says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, the bodies you now inhabit, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption, speaking again of these bodies, inherit incorruption, what awaits us. Then he says this, behold, I tell you, a mysterion, a mystery, something that needs to be investigated. He says, we shall not all sleep, or die, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible is put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I read something the other day that I found to be quite challenging. I actually had to read it a couple times to see if I actually read what I thought I read. And somebody posted on social media, it's hard to believe that so many Christians are so afraid of dying that they're willing to stop living. 
So many Christians are so afraid of dying that they're willing to stop living. Now, again, it doesn't mean we act foolish. Right? I've told you before, I'll tell you again this morning, after I shake your hands at the door, I'm heading for the alcohol sanitizer. <laughs> and I'll be cleaning my hands, right? Yes. Just want to be smart and careful. Now, I don't want to die. I don't want anybody to die in this room of COVID, an accident, or cancer, or anything else. I want us to all go in the rapture. Amen. Don't you? Yes. You want me to go in the rapture too, right? Yes. Now, but until then, I want to have the Christmas peace. Yes. I want to have what was promised by the angel that first Christmas that can only come through Christ and comes through the means of having a mind stayed on him. Yes. Now, John 10, 10, Jesus says, remember, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it. How? More abundantly. That phrase means super abundantly. Somebody posted the other day on social media that Jesus would have worn a mask during the pandemic. <laughs> My first thought was Mark 141. He didn't put on gloves before he touched the leper. Amen. I don't think Jesus would have been wearing a mask during the pandemic. I think he'd have been healing people. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Listen, none of the apostles lived in fear and death, even though most of them were martyred and they knew it was coming. But the point is this. We need to walk wisely in this time. And as we walk wisely, we need to not walk in fear, but rather in faith. We need to walk with washed hands and covered faces if necessary, but not in fear, because God has not given us that spirit. Right. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And by the way, 2 Timothy 1.7 has no expiration date. Yes. Amen. Perfect peace is not exclusive for those who master it. It's for those who need it. And this year, I think we're all on the list. Amen. 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 So with that said, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. In the weirdest year ever, <laughs> through the weirdest Christmas message ever, that hopefully will net for all of us the peace that passes understanding right. and guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Somebody say, Amen. And Father, we again are grateful for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather, and Lord, we don't want to gather as fools, nor do we want to gather as rebellious, but we want to gather as worshipers in spirit and in truth. We want to gather so we can be equipped for the work of ministry. We want to gather because we value your word and find it to be a source of life. And Lord, we recognize even as uh, the disciples said to you, you uh, were asked if they wanted to go away too. You alone have the words of life. That's why we're here today. We're here to respect, honor, praise, and adore you. And to ask you for peace that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus during this time. Lord, we pray for those who are battling COVID. We pray for those who are battling cancer. We pray for those who are stricken with many of the maladies of our day. We ask, God, your protective and healing hand upon them. We pray for those, uh, Lord, in our own body that have uh, 
contracted uh, this, this pandemic uh, virus that is sweeping our globe today. And we thank you, Lord, that you knew this was coming and it didn't take you by surprise, even though it did us. So, Lord, help us to trust and walk in wisdom practically as we make our way through this time, knowing that you know the days of the righteous. So, Lord, we're not, uh, not desiring to be fools, but to walk as wise uh, through this season. Help us, Lord, to not allow this pandemic to push us to the place where we don't express the harmonious love we should have for one another and therefore nullify ourselves as visible disciples and followers of Jesus. So help us in all these things, we pray. And we thank you, Lord, for sending your Son to this earth in the form and the likeness of sinful human flesh, that he might live, die, conquer death, rise again, that we know we can live forever. So this Christmas Sunday morning, we say thank you, we say praise you, we honor you, in Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.